Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. This is a little bit of a different episode because we're going to do a life update. I think the last life update I did was back in, I want to say October, when I was in Los Angeles, kind of working through some family details, um, wrapping up some things after the death of my grandmother. Um, And I thought that I would give another life update. And to be completely honest, this life update is partly out of necessity because I have written a really, what I think is a really deep dive into diet culture, understanding the thin ideal, and then starting to create an understanding of, okay, well, what is it that I'm consuming that is diet culture? What do I believe that is diet culture? And then what is actually my own belief or preference about my body or the way that I'm living my life? So I wrote that episode, but the problem is, is my eyes are still a little bit wonky because I did LASIK surgery on Friday. And so reading that, the notes that I made for that episode, uh, I don't think my brain or my eyes are going to be able to handle it. So I thought I would do a little bit of a life update of a few things that have been happening, including this update around LASIK. So I have been wearing glasses or contacts of some kind since I was like five years old, I think. I was that cute little kid with glasses. Started wearing contacts when I was like 14. And I had been putting off doing LASIK for so long, partly because it was inconvenient, another part because it's like lasers in your eyes and that is terrifying. And I finally decided to take the leap and do it. And there was actually a slip up in the surgery. And what happened was they operated one eye and then the other eye, either I moved my eye when they were doing it or something happened. I don't know what it was. And the, the laser wasn't centered enough to actually complete the surgery. And so I currently have one eye recovering from LASIK surgery and another eye that just has a teeny little like micron cut in it. So I have to wait for one eye to recover before I can then go and do the surgeries, which is really frustrating. But the fact is, is this was another realization of expectation versus reality. And so I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but probably like five or six years ago, an ex-boyfriend of mine gave me a book on Buddhism. And it was one of these sort of like pamphlet books that like Hare Krishna gives out a little, it's almost like propaganda. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to read it. And one of the things, so there were sort of two main lessons that I took away from what I read. The first one was, we are only disappointed when expectation does not live up to reality. And so I had put so much expectation into, I'm going to get this LASIK. I'm going to be able to see, I'm never going to have to wear contacts again. And so I was so incredibly disappointed, like left the surgery crying. I was so disappointed that I could only get one eye operated on. And honestly, if I had gone into it without the expectation of like, Hey, you know what? Like something could go wrong or maybe this is not going to work. I probably would have been less disappointed. I think it's normal that I went in with the expectation of, hey, I'm going to walk out of here and a couple of days later I'll be able to see. I think that's normal. But one of the things that I've been working on myself has been trying to become really clear around when I'm creating an expectation because the fact is, is reality never lives up to our expectations. It never does. It's like when you, you think, oh my gosh, like this is going to be such an incredible trip and you probably have an incredible time, but the more expectation you create of exactly what's going to happen, the more you open yourself up to disappointment. And when we can manage expectation is when we then, one, I think we get a lot more joy out of experiences and also we're a lot less likely to feel shitty when things don't go exactly how we want them to go. 
So I'm trying to manage that because honestly, I'm still feeling a lot of frustration because one of my eyes is now like pretty, I can see pretty well and the other one still is not. I can't see well and it makes like reading some of the notes that I made now, makes it really difficult. But you know what? I got to deal with it. That's the way life is. Eventually, I will be able to go back in and get the other eye worked on and it will be fine. So that's update number one. The second update is I am heading to the UK to go see my family. So for those of you that don't know, I'm half uh, American, half British. My dad is from the UK. My mom um, was from the States. And I'm taking my boyfriend with me to the UK for the first time. I've never taken a significant other with me to to meet my grandmother or to the UK with me. And so that is kind of a big deal, but I feel incredibly calm and incredibly excited about it. And it's so interesting because I am someone that's been so anxious in relationships for most of my life. Those of you that know anything about attachment theory or have like looked into your attachment style or your partner's attachment style, you know what I'm talking about, where there's this feeling of like needing reassurance all the time and always being, you know, worried that something's going to happen and feeling just incredibly like anxiety ridden in relationships. And this is the first relationship in which I don't feel that way. This is partly because I've done a lot of work on building intentional thought patterns and habits that drive me to feel more secure. And a lot of that has to do with just investing in who I am as a person and in my friendships and in doing things that make me feel more comfortable in myself. And a lot of that also has to do with the fact that I am with someone that doesn't trigger any of those anxious uh, patterns in me. I want this to serve as kind of like a hopefully inspiration for anyone that might be single right now or anyone that might be dating because I'm 36 years old. I met my boyfriend when I was 35. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea how if it's going to work out, if it's not going to work out. But this is the first relationship that I've been in at the age of 35, which is when we started dating, that I do not feel anxious and that any anxiety that I do feel, I have been able to communicate, hey, I felt anxious when this happened and we can actually talk it through. And I know that often – you know, I spent a lot of my 20s and 30s thinking I'm going to be alone forever and no one's going to love me going after the wrong guys. And a lot of that, I've mentioned this in podcasts before, had to do with my body image. Feeling like I wasn't attractive enough or my body didn't look good enough or I just needed to weigh a certain amount. It always came back to like I am not good enough. And part of the reason why I think I'm able to be in the first healthy relationship I've ever been in is because I did so much work around being more comfortable in myself and starting to, what I've talked about before here is like my body is the least interesting thing about me and really doubling down on developing a personality and developing skills and habits and and interests outside of what my body looks like, I think was a huge part of that. And so anybody that is, maybe you refuse to download apps because you're like, I need to lose weight first or I don't feel comfortable or someone that keeps kind of ending up with the wrong men, I would, one, read the book. um, I think it's called The Unexpected Joy of Being Single. Absolutely love that book. And also start to do things that make you be more you. That means like, start a new hobby, do things that you're like, this is nerdy, do it anyways. That will help you so much to get to the point where you are really good with yourself. And so, yeah, you can be terrible with yourself and end up in a relationship, but it feels different when you feel like you. 
So that's update number two, going to see family in UK with my boyfriend for the first time. And the third life update is we just did this week our first group call of The Confident Eater. So you've heard me talk about this before. It's my group coaching program. And we kick off at the beginning of this program with an understanding of what are my core values? What are my goals? And how is the way that I'm interacting with food in my body right now making it difficult to align or to feel aligned with those values? And so there were some themes that kind of popped up in this first week of The Confident Eater. So the first one was knowing how you want to feel. So people being very clear on like, well, this is, these are the values that I have. These, these are how I want to feel, but I don't understand how to take my relationship with food and my body to being aligned with those things. And so one of the things that we worked on in the, in the first call was choosing one core value, like picking one. So two of them actually chose to do this with, with their, the value of peace and thinking, okay, when I feel peaceful or when I am living in alignment with the value of peace, what am I doing on a daily basis? What are my thoughts like? What are my habits like? What actions am I taking that help me feel peaceful? And doing that exercise was really powerful for them because they were actually able to identify specific habits in relation to food and their bodies that can help them feel peaceful in the moment. So that was incredible. As far as the confident eater is concerned, if you ever have any questions about the program or if you wanna join the waitlist for the next group, you will be able to do that through the link. There's links in the show notes, or you can always message me on Instagram. And then the last update is something that came very organically. So I had a couple of conversations with a couple of coaches who coach macronutrients. So they they do like a macro-based coaching approach. Uh, and you'll actually hear one of those coaches on a future episode. Her name is Julia. And we actually recorded an episode around eating more food and <laughs> why women should be eating more food. So her and another coach, they had been interested in understanding how it is that I incorporate mindful eating habits and mindfulness and values-based decision-making into my coaching. And they were curious and understanding, like, how do I bridge the gap between macros, which is very data-driven, and being more intuitive, being more in touch with your body and being more self-reflective and practicing more self-compassion. And so we've created sort of a, a, for the moment, we're calling it like a mini mastermind in which I'm offering coaching to coaches where we can bring sort of client scenarios in there. We can talk about methods for how to incorporate the values and the, the skills that I teach in my coaching, how to incorporate that into their businesses. And I am so excited for that because that is a really great opportunity for coaches to come together and really develop their business in a way that sets them apart from other nutrition coaches. So instead of just giving their clients macro numbers, they are interested in understanding like how do I utilize the tools that I'm currently using with my clients and incorporate this mindset of being focused on values, of practicing mindfulness, of understanding mindful eating habits and some of the intuitive eating principles. So if you are a coach listening and you would like to know more about that, please send me a message on Instagram and you can just put the word like mastermind or coaching for coaches and I'm happy to chat with you about that. We're sort of running it as a beta group and it is going to evolve and I'm very excited to work with these coaches. I want to touch on a question that this is sort of, so part two of this episode, and then we will kind of wrap up in a couple of minutes, is a question that came up actually in the Confident Eater call from one of the coaches who is, in, who is enrolled in the Confident Eater. Side note, 
this is a really important program for a lot of coaches because many of us as nutrition coaches struggle with our own bullshit around food in our bodies. And often the reason that we want to coach is because we see the struggles that we have and we want to help others overcome them. But sometimes, so there's a saying in Spanish that's en casa de herrero, cuchillo de palo. That means like in the blacksmith's or in the iron worker's house, there is there are wooden knives. And that is why often coaches are the ones that can benefit the most from getting coached. And so this question is from one of the coaches that is enrolled in my Confident Eater program. And I thought we could touch on this briefly. And that is, her question was, how do I narrow down my core values when I'm interested in being and doing so many different things? How do I know what my core values really are? And this individual is very motivated to become a better coach. She is an incredible partner. Um, She's a lovely human that I am getting the chance to know a little bit better. And so we talked a little bit about why it feels so challenging for her to narrow down. You know, she had a list of like 16 different values. And I often encourage my clients to aim to narrow down their core values to around three to five. And that's not because that three to five is a magic number, but it's because if we want to be able to utilize our core values as almost like a North Star for our behaviors, our actions, the things that we do on the day-to-day and our goals, trying to remember a list of 16 different words is difficult. Remembering three to five words is easy. And so the more, the easier it is for, for example, my core values being connection, curiosity, creativity, and freedom, I can easily say, hey, like, is this thing that I'm doing aligning with my value of creativity rather than running through my head and being like, huh, wait, which value is this again? And so it gives us a more, a more concrete way to be like, hey, is this aligning with the person I want to be? And the answer to this question, like, how do I narrow them down? Like, how do I know which ones are right? I told her, I was like, there is no right answer. There's no correct answer as to which values are perfect for you. However, What I would encourage you to do is just make a decision. Decide, you know what? These are the four that sound like things I'd really like to uphold in my life. They are really important to me. Maybe there are eight others that are also important. I'm going to focus on these four. And try them on for size. So the exercise I mentioned that we did in our first call around sort of working backwards, like choosing a value and how do you feel? What are you doing? What are you thinking when you are living in alignment with that value? Try that on for size with a few different ones and commit to to working towards creating values-based decisions or making values-based decisions with those, you know, three to five. And then if a couple months down the road, you're like, hey, you know what? I've realized that like, you know, integrity isn't as important to me as I thought, but security, that's really important to me. Cool. You can switch them out. I think often we see core values as this thing that needs to be unchanging and needs to be fixed. Your core values can change over the course of time. For example, right now, family is not one of my core values. I love my family. My family is important to me. I care about them very, very much, but I do not count that as one of my core values. Now, in the future, if I decided to have kids or maybe, you know, maybe someone in my family becomes ill and that becomes one of my, you know, big priorities in life, maybe family will take precedence over other core values. And that's okay. And I I said this to my group, I was like, you know what? I hope that you are changing and evolving over time. I hope that to a certain extent, the things that are important to you do change because it's important for us to continue to grow as humans. And sometimes that means that something that was really important to you 
becomes less important. And sometimes it means that something that wasn't important all of a sudden takes the forefront. So I would encourage you when you are sort of trying to figure out your core values, consider a couple of things. So one, notice themes. So you may have like 15 core values, but four of them are very similar. And so, you know, for example, you have security, uh, financial freedom, and um, success. Like those might be related in your in your eyes. Those could theoretically be sort of clumped into one. I also want you to consider what comes from you rather than what you feel like you should be doing. And I'll give you an example of this. So sometimes I feel like success or productivity should be one of my values, but it is not. And the reason why is, yes, I value productivity. It's, it's something I like being productive. That's important to me. However, if I were to value productivity and look back and be like, does doing the things that make me productive, does that really resonate with who I am and who I want to be? No. But for example, creativity, which is a value of mine, when I'm being creative, I feel very productive, right? But not necessarily the other way around. And one sort of actionable tip I can give you is to check in with yourself frequently. And that can be something you do on a daily basis where at the end of the day, you're like, huh, how did today go? Like, what did I do that feels like it aligned with my values? What didn't I do that didn't align with my values? Sorry, I think that I said that backwards. Or you can do it weekly. I have an Excel sheet that's like my weekly check-in and I sort of look at things that I have done over the week, things that I've completed, things that I haven't. How did I feel about it? It can be a coach-led check-in. So this is where coaching is really helpful. This is why most coaches have coaches and why, especially for new coaches, not having a coach or not having been coached, it can be really challenging to develop as a coach if you have never worked with a coach or haven't spent a, a lot of time working with a coach or talking with your partner or with friends. My best friend and I, you've heard her on the podcast before, we have conversations about our own progress and our values and how we feel all the time. I know some people aren't as fortunate to have friends that are into that kind of stuff. And this is also where like, for example, within my group coaching program, that is where you sort of have this built-in container to talk to people about these kind of things. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed a little bit of the life update, the randomness, and then the question and answer. And those of you that listen, I know there's some of you that listen every week. If you can shoot me a message and let me know what you thought about this, I would absolutely love it. Occasionally, clients will mention in our check-ins what they think of the podcast or which ones they've loved. Occasionally, I'll get messages. And I always take that feedback into consideration, whether it is positive or negative. And it is amazing. So I'm going to sign off for today. But I'm going to let you know that next week, you are going to have an incredible episode around diet culture, understanding the thin ideal and self-objectification, and then some tools to find balance between, you know, is this diet culture or is this what I truly want for myself? So with that, my friend, if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and leave it a rating and or a review. Make sure to follow the podcast. If you are a coach and uh, looking into this sort of mini mastermind is something that is interesting to you, please shoot me a message on Instagram. I'm happy to chat with you about what that looks like and what we are doing. We are kicking off this week. Very, very excited. And with that... I'm going to go close my eyes for a while because having one laser eye surgery eye and one not eye surgery eye leads to headaches when you, when you are looking at a screen for too long. So thank you. And we will talk very soon.